We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports Podcast, where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and it is the third annual rom-com month on Big Screen Sports. It is February. We are talking about rom-coms, like I said. Uh, today, we are doing a movie that I saw for the first time, and my two guests, my two co-hosts, Alex McDaniel and Caroline Darney, love. We are talking about 27 Dresses. Uh, I Spoiler alert. Really enjoyed this one. Great episode. As I told Alex and Caroline, as soon as we finished recording, they are both in their bag for this one. So I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Before we get into it, I want to shout out our Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our big chill producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Eager, Mike Trees, Chris Mikowski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Class Stadium Fire, Jason Alva, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Andrew Teagle, Benjamin Bauman, Jeff Esses, Anthony Scaffone, and Taylor Logan. Biggest thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show. Patrons on this show, in addition to supporting the show, they get to vote on movies for the show to cover. They're picking a movie for rom-com month they get to participate in our live watches on the big screen sports discord we did one last month where we live watched clue not sure what we're going to do this month but it it will be something it will be a rom-com it will be a lot of fun so if you want to support the show keep this thing going head on over to patreon.com slash big screen sports and with that let's get into it me caroline darney alex mcdaniel talking 27 dresses all right returning to big screen sports for the third annual rom-com month We've done this three times now. Uh, she is the managing editor of For the Win, Alex McDaniel, and she is the co-host of For the Water Cooler and the uh, at from Bet for the Win, Caroline Darney. I stumbling over my rom-com month just has me shut. Guys, welcome back to the show <laughs> that you're on all, all the time. You're all a flutter from watching this movie for the first time. I know. I am. I am. Tonight's is a first first timer for me. First timers club for this one and something else on our rom-com slate that I will not reveal at this time but how is everybody how are we we're tired so tired yeah. i told, oh I told elmo when he asked yesterday that i was also tired <laughs> elmo. 
Elmo, Elmo got a lot of answers he was not ready for. <laughs> that is some of the that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on the internet because like obviously some I don't know who runs the um like are they muppets? No. They're not muppets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. muppets. Yeah. No like muppet accounts. You know what I mean like who's running the Elmo social media account that's yeah. now there's probably it, some really It's nice- Elmo. What do you mean? <laughs> like some really nice like 27 the, Gen- the jennifer lawrence what do you mean <laughs> yeah what do, what do you mean um that's like some nice 27 year old woman's like sitting in her apartment thinking she's like doing this mental wellness month thing it's gonna be such a fun like and just like everyone on the internet trauma dumping on you <laughs> but to elmo and having them be like you know what elmo it's kind of kind of shit right now elmo like, i don't know what Incredible. it is it's the funniest thing to me so anyways how's it how's it going y'all caroline you had the great ryan mcgee on for the water yes dude it was like every it is just so much fun doing this that podcast like um we've had so many amazing guests and like ryan mcgee is just a wonderful person to talk to the best he's such we've only met like twice in person but he treats you like he's just so kind and thoughtful and like remembers things and so gracious with his time. And that was one of the quickest um, replies with what he wanted to talk about, which is like star Wars. I was like any movie in particular, just star Wars. And I was like, all right, perfect. And we had just a great conversation about like, it just really resonated with me. because we talked a lot about how he has that connection, like him and his daughter, like to go see Marvel and star Wars together. And they've been able to do those. And it was just really like reminding me of time I spent with my dad when I was growing up and like the things that we bonded over like aliens, you know, <laughs> and star Wars, because my dad recorded them off of television and I didn't see episode four for the longest time because we didn't have that one recorded off of TV on a VHS tape. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you, so... didn't, you didn't grow up in the nineties if you did not have uh, bu- movies bootlegged off, off the TV. Yeah. And he always tried to like cut it with the commercials. And so then he would like, hit record again too late and you miss like mm-hmm. minutes of like the movie and so the anyway uh but yeah it was a really really fun episode that's out now so give it a listen and uh by the time this comes out we'll have um jason kirk as the next guest so you guys just talked to jason kirk yeah we, we did. did yeah we did saw and another I'm, movie i saw for the first time and i'm one... pretty sure the one that he picked for us is going to blow my mind. What's it called? Oh, I have to look it up again. Hold on. <laughs> who's in it? Yeah, I, wanna, I, wanna <laughs> I don't know. know. I need to hold on. Let me go into my text. So message. who's Can in I... it is a fun guess. Is, is it Kurt Cameron? Is I was going to say. Mayo? Is it? <laughs> um, I have some, while she's looking that up, I have some fun nerd pop culture news on my end. Yes. So um, the other night, Jack and I are, first of all, I, for those who've been watching Love on the Spectrum since the first season, which is 2019, I guess amazing i just did not watch the show oh personally i was worried it would be okay this isn't about love on the spectrum but i want to give some background i never watched it because i worried it would be exploitative like tlc shows are you know Mm -hmm. and i recently discovered it's this absolutely gorgeous amazing nuanced show whatever anyway there is a a person on that show who ends up going on a date at comic-con she's into animation and you know jack and i yeah, I've like gotten into things because he's into them like Star Wars and Marvel. And he said 
is there a Comic-Con in DC? I'm like, well, I'm sure there's something. Like, So we look it up. Right now he's going through not only a major Star Wars phase, like he's seen them all, he does everything, but a major Anakin phase. Like he evil like Anakin. Jackson Dart. Yeah, like Jackson Dart. Um, <laughs> so we click on DC's Comic-Con, which is called Awesome Con, and guess who's going to be there this year? Hayden Christensen. Christensen. So we got the premium badges and we got the $200 photo op. Jack requested two people. He wanted the photo op with uh, Hayden Christensen and he wants an autograph with, I can't remember his name right now. Y'all will know it. He plays um, Hank on Breaking Bad. My son has never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. I know. I I can't remember. Uh, Dean. Dean, Yeah. Dean something. Man, no one has ever looked more like a Dean or a Hank than that guy. Um, so, but I was like, Jack, you've never even seen Breaking Bad. There are a lot of people. And he's like, yeah, but I know the lore. So I'm going to a con. Bless and I got to figure out a costume. Like we should do a special episode of big screen just for the con. Well, so Honestly, you have to ask Hayden Christensen. You have to be the only person in that con to ask him about shattered glass. Okay. I knew you were going to say that <laughs> yes. because the other night when I found out that the photo op cost more than the VIP badge for this thing, I was like, calm down, Stephen Glass. <laughs> <laughs> everyone likes you we're not mad at you really good yeah. movie really Fantastic. good movie shatter yeah. glass everyone watch it okay yeah. i looked it up i looked at the movie and actually you might be able to it's an act it's a big movie star who is the lead in this movie that jason has picked is it a christian it, is it an evangelical movie yes uh, based on the title i think so um matt forbade me from looking up anything. oh is it is it the fucking uh the human trafficking one with jim caviezel no 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 he wouldn't make us watch that i don't it's think. not the passion of the christ is it no. <laughs> also with jim caviezel <laughs> jim caviezel is not in this movie is it frequency um, with jim caviezel we have done, <laughs> we have done multiple movies that star this person and we're gonna go steal. The it's thing. some. It's left behind with Nicholas Cage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know nothing about it, but Matt texted me the other day and was like, said something off the wall, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he was like, "Oh, it's the movie that Kirk picked," and I was like, oh, "Okay, perfect, perfect." So anyway, look, everyone can look forward to that. Um, so I'm gonna get us. I'm about to segue into a segue. So Alex Ooh. mentioned Love on the Spectrum, which is a truly like de- as a delightful program. You know what else is a delightful program is Jury Duty, which Caroline, you and everyone else has to watch. Incredible. Jury Duty is I one of the most incredible things I've, I've ever seen. Loved it, loved it, loved it. We just finished it. Jury Duty starred James Marsden. You know what else stars James Marsden? The what? movie that we're doing tonight and going to talk about eight minutes and 30 seconds into the podcast. We are Ooh. talking about 27 Dresses, the 2008 rom-com. <laughs> After serving as a bridesmaid 27 times, a young woman wrestles with the idea of standing by her sister's side as her sibling marries the man she's secretly in love with because her sibling is the fucking devil. I added that last part. Starred Katherine Heigl, James Marsden, and Malin Ackerman. It was directed by Ann Fletcher. This is about to be a real don't shoot the messenger moment. This got a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, 40%? Guys, this was a this was a first time watch for me. Caroline, where does this hold up in your your rom-com in your rom-com echelon in, in the in the rom-com, oh. you know, where on the pantheon? Elite of Elite. It is one of my absolute favorite rom-coms. Um and I'm saying, like, I'd put it up there. If I could take, like, two rom-coms with me for the rest of my life, it's like this and set it up. 
like that those are my choice and i understand like there's just something about the vibes of this movie and a lot of it is the it, there's really dry humor there's a lot of like judy greer is fantastic like she's just really been fantastic in like everything mm -hmm. but her like best friend is hilarious to me and so that her sense of humor kills me um it's a fun different story i think like you don't i don't even see anything else like it type thing um and james marsden i don't know who no offense to his agent but they should have been fired because the the fact that this man was not in two rom-coms a year for his entire career and instead played every nice guy that lost the girl like how how does that happen can't He's lose someone you never had caroline <laughs> let's not talk about Ali and noah on this podcast i know it's, it's wild that he's just he he's a pats in so many movies even in westworld he doesn't he it's really frustrating and surprising because you watch this movie and you're like that guy should bang out 10 of these movies with no problem he's so so charming and so handsome and he's got really good co comedic delivery. He has all the things you need in a rom-com lead. He's good looking, but not so good looking that you're like uncomfortable. Like, I don't know, it's it's the, well, they definitely like, we'll talk about his, his clothes in depth later, but he doesn't look intimidating or like too much. His hair is the perfect length in this movie. <laughs> this is 2008. Like yeah. It's a yeah. little long for today. But for 2008, yeah. it was ideal. Was like, Especially because there's a lot of bad haircuts in this movie, and he's he's got the best one of that yes, era. Yes, he escapes all of that. He just um, has good hair. He does have good hair, and he's got incredible cheekbones. Like you could, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Cut glass with them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I almost said you could bounce a quarter off. <laughs> and I was like, that's he's, not right. Oh. Gosh, Keep he's thinking. just lovely. The charisma, the smile, the eyes, the look. He's just, yeah, he's he's fantastic. So I I love this movie. I think it's so funny. Um, I I love it. I love it. It's been and I watched it like on repeat in flight school. Like this was like 2008, Pensacola, Caroline, and my best just friend. Top Gun and 27 dresses. Just <laughs> alternating. Take my breath away and Benny and the Jets on repeat. <laughs> Perfect. I actually, oh, I'll get into that. We'll get into Bay and the Jets. We'll get into that. <laughs> Alex, I feel confident in asking you this question with zero prep and you're going to be able to walk me through it. But the, the Catherine Heigl career, Catherine Heigl is a lead and then kind of her, her not disappearance, but certainly fall like from grace. fall from grace. Can you, can you walk me through that and your thoughts on her in this movie and just in general, when she's, when she's on, when she's in something good. So Yes, and it relates to like the bigger story about this movie in general. I do think this movie, more than any other, I have probably, any other we've done, not just in the world, um, I probably have more background info on how it got made. So that's going to tie into it too. When we talk about Katherine Heigl, it's really, it's easy for me to kind of forget all of that that happened. If you remember, you know, she was kind of this breakout star on Grey's. And rumors started coming out that she was difficult to work with and she wasn't, you know, very cooperative on set. And she later admitted to that. She was like, I was young, I was cocky, whatever. Um, but they mended those fences. But like at this point in time, she was still kind of like an, a rising it girl. You know, mm -hmm. she had just done Knocked Up. 
Um, she was cute as could be. She was on this very successful show. They cast her, you know, in this movie as like an ideal rom-com lead. And she absolutely was. But around this time, too, and look, I'm not a Katherine Heigl expert, so there's a lot here I'm sure that I don't get. I'm just telling you how I remember it going down. Like, you had all these cute movies she was in, but she was also starting her life at this time. I think she was engaged or she had just gotten married to Ole Miss alum Josh Kelly at the time. One of his songs plays in the movie, by the way. Um, Her life was kind of getting started, and she was really leaning into, like, building a family. But, like, when she left Grey's, you know, I think at that time you had all these, like, great rom-coms coming out. And I think it just kind of dried up for her. And because of her reputation, you know... It's one of those things like if people write enough stories about you, it's really easy for people in power to believe them. That's why like celebrities get so mad about stupid rumors and tabloids. It's not because they're worried about people in Oklahoma (laughs) believing it. It's because if they see you as the uncooperative one, then you're not going to get jobs. But I will say in recent years, she's had quite the comeback. I think if you haven't watched Firefly Lane on Netflix, please do. You will cry Mm -hmm. for days. She was on Suits. Um, Yeah. She like she's had a she's very talented. I mean, even um, the people who worked on this movie said it was incredible because when she came in for the first table read, she had just wrapped Grays like she had been up for 24 hours. She came in and nailed it, sat down, nailed every single line, like just consummate pro. But this was still this came out when people were still very charmed by her and you you didn't have all these rumors bringing her down. So it was kind of a, a perfect time for this to come out. I think the ugly truth kind of. I don't want to say that flopped. It flopped. It was a little floppy. I just remember uh, being made fun of. I don't know how it did, but the yeah, fact that I can remember that. Was, that yeah, you know, that's the thing. I, that's what I'm saying is I remember it, it not getting a ton of like good attention. And it's not as fun. It's nowhere near as fun as this one. Um, it's much more of the like um, rough around the edges type of, you know, like trying dirtier jokes and whatever else. Um, sure. I think that was happening the same time that a lot more of these stories were coming out. And it was like that charm, like you said, had rightfully or not been like taken off of her. And I think, I thought she, I think she is so lovely in this. I was massively impressed. Just extremely. I thought she was fantastic. She was the perfect mix of like desirable, but you could also believe that she had kind of painted herself in this corner and, and was, you know, because because typically the the argument with all rom-coms with a lot of them is oh this woman would not be single but you she she painted herself in the perfect light of why she's why she's potentially single why you know it but also how like charming and the chemistry that she could have with james marsden um i really i love knocked up i just love all the avatar movies but in in talking about like katherine heigl and all this like this for me i haven't seen a too terrible amount of her filmography, but this is, this is it for me. Like I thought she was fantastic. I, I was truly blown away by how much I enjoyed her because I don't think about knocked up because of that. I think in knocked up, she did get, I think there was kind of something in that movie too, of like, she seemed like a real, like stiff and, and kind of, yeah. you know, for lack of a better word, they, the movie makes her seem kind of bitchy. But then when you watch it with an adult lens and be like, she was stuck with a total fucking loser and trying to have, <laughs> trying to have this loser's baby. Like she was a saint in that movie. And, uh, which is something, which is something I, I didn't have when I, with my 19 year old eyes, when I saw it the first time, but, well, also um, sexism. 
Like yeah. just this was a, still a time in Hollywood when it's like incredible to think back on, you know, if a man is difficult on set, he's just Harrison Ford, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's just like he's naturally cool if, if he's cold, if he's icy. But this is still very much during a time when like women being anything other than nurturing was a problem. And like, you know, they had to be the best friend. They had to get along with. I mean, it's very much the Barbie monologue, right? You have to be part of the sisterhood, but you have to always be grateful. And, you you know, and I and think now. the fact that she outwardly right or wrong, the fact that she was just very vocal about her work process or what her boundaries, whatever, that stuff gets out and you get reputations really quickly. And that stuff, especially when you're a woman, it, it doesn't leave you. I mean, think about it, like. Christian Bale's outburst. Think about Tom Cruise's outburst. Like, has it ever affected? I mean, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist and he's like, oh, everyone loves him. So yeah, a Let's woman- Top Gun 3, baby, let's go. A woman who is rude, her career cannot survive. <laughs> so. Well, she's she's excellent in this and it was a shame there wasn't, wasn't more of this. Um, Alex, I will kick it to you for the IMDb chair. I'm assuming that both of you are putting this as a Hall of Fame rom-com. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I will then, I, this is, this is like gut, gut reaction for me, but I would say this is a hall of fame rom-com. I don't really see many warts in this. Like it does every, it checks every box that you want a rom-com to check. And I, yeah. I feel, I feel good and confident about saying that. So I will, Alex is, is handling the IMDb trivia tonight because she is, she is the trivia queen of the show. So I will take it away. So I think I only have one thing from IMDb, but I want to tell you like a short, well, short for me, a British version of how this movie got made and almost didn't get made. Because I think it's really easy when we look at rom-coms, especially in the early 2000s, it's formulaic, right? You're the pretty girl and the cute guy, and there's a conflict. Da, 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 da. It's not unlike really any story since the beginning of time. But I think especially in the 2000s, it all looked like it just fit a template. And this one, if you didn't know anything about how the movie got made, you would think that too, that it was all for commercial gain. But really, this movie started out, so the writer is Aline Brosh McKenna, who also wrote The Devil Wears Prada. She also wrote one of my favorite shows of all time, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, brilliant writer. She wanted to write a movie about her friend Kate, who had been a bridesmaid like 13 times, was just the constant people pleaser. But she envisioned it as this kind of highbrow, artistic, like women who need to learn how to be self-sufficient who end up not needing a man and um she wanted to, to make a point she just kind of had this, this vision for it well hollywood did what hollywood does and very quickly they're like cool but if you want to make money and you want people to actually pick this up you're gonna have to commercialize this so it took years like several years five or six years with bringing on new writers rewriting slowly chipping away at what she wanted but in a way that she was eventually okay with, like giving some concessions. I mean, she wanted um, Catherine Heigl's character to end up alone, to choose herself, which is very funny because that's how Crazy Ex-Girlfriend ends, is you have a woman who's been through years of will they, won't they with different guys, and she chooses herself. Um, I can't imagine anyone ever caring at all about this movie if that had happened. But, you know, slowly, like they, they brought in, I can't remember their names, but two writers who ended up writing Bad Moms. They brought them in to make it more appealing to men. Um, and even when the movie was finally getting made, you know, she went off and wrote The Devil Wears Prada. She's writing high on that. Finally, 27 Dresses is back in. They're about to release the movie. They're really stuck on like, because they, they truly believed no man is going to want to go see 27 Dresses. And also what's going to set this rom-com apart 
uh, from all these other movies that are pretty much telling the same story. So for me, one of the biggest things about this movie is the iconic poster, because what do you see? What do you remember about the poster, Caroline? What's the biggest thing you remember? Graphic it's design my goal in a dress. What does and... the dress say, though? Oh, uh... Google. You can Google it if you want. Like the most prominent thing on this dress is the words from the writer of The Devil Wears Prada in big letters. Oh, and th at the time, like. I mean, in general, you never see writers get like top billing, but because that movie was such a hit, they made the chic, chic for the, you know, the early aughts poster and made that really prominent on her to pull people in and it was effective. Um, and so, oh gosh, yeah, it's the like, yeah, the bustier part of the top of the dress. Why we like, need I to can... put that movie on the schedule for this year. By we the way. do. It is, it's, one of the, I think it's one of the most iconic movie posters. Like yeah. I can see my DVD case from college. I know that's what movie. I was saying. I was like, you know? I can see the case. Why am I not remembering what this looks like? I know. And so, you know, as time went on with this movie, uh, you know, they brought in Anne Fletcher to direct, which she um, also directed the proposal and was a choreographer on the wedding planner. So you have like a, a woman led production on this in the end. And even though, it was a very different movie in many ways from what um, Aline wanted for it. She was really, really pleased with it. And so the few, but the few bits of trivia I have, because this was a personal project for her and it was about her friend, um, I think, oh yeah, I already said the thing. Her friend had been in 13 weddings, which by the way, I think, and even though like this is kind of part of, this is kind of the whole point of the movie, but isn't it wild to think like, you're that important to that many different women. Just the accomplishment of being in like yeah. 13 bridal parties that you are that person. I think it's cool. That's incredible. Um, and also the financial ramifications, which Marzen mentions are, yeah. I can't even imagine. Insane. Um, but the one trivia point that I think all of us will agree is would change the movie fundamentally. They almost cut Benny and the Jets. So this was one sticking point for Aline because that was something that she and her friends, like they never got the words right. So it, it was a personal thing for them. They wanted in. They said, it's too slow. We can't pace this out correctly. They thought about doing like, um, I think pour some sugar on me. There was like a lot of different, just more up-tempo things. She lobbied everyone on the set and people in production to get to keep that in the film. And it's one of the most iconic rom-com scenes of all time. It's the absolute Sorry. best. It's literally the that best. That was long-winded. Ever. But I wanted to walk everyone through that process, that this wasn't just some cookie cutter, go put a girl and a guy together and make it cute. Like this was a whole passion project that took a lot of different turns that ended up being great. No matter what Rotten Tomatoes says. 40%? The hell with them. The hell with them. I wanted to <laughs> ask both of you about the journalism aspect of this movie. Like I wanted to start out with that. Because like we we've talked strangely was it last rom com month we did how to lose a guy in ten days yeah has it already yes. been a year oh my god um, where's my life going yes. tell me about it but that one you know it's like she's she's pitching it and if she gets this she gets to be the whatever she gets to write whatever Furious she wants writer. or something like that yeah. yeah the thing with this article I think this would have legs if like you're in the commitment section I feel like this would be something that like is an interesting piece yeah I think well I actually, I mean the 
journalism aspect of it never stood out to me as like off or like why so i even re-watching it now that i've like been in the industry and they did pretty well with it i guess it's fine i mean the the oh it's the, terrible <laughs> the hard i mean the it's not like what is the christmas prince one like it's not that bad i guess i should say the, <laughs> the bar is so low for journalism and movies that like and media literacy like, i think sure, why not <laughs> like the what, i mean what I, and I'm not getting on a soapbox here. I'm just going to say this one thing. I've said for years, I think it's wild as somebody who's worked in this industry for a long time, how news outlets and news organizations and magazines and just everything you could think of never take it upon themselves to just explain their process to people. And I realize it doesn't matter for the movie, but like this Bush League shit of him with like a cyber shot taking photos yeah. and all oh, these okay. are great. Yeah. That, that, was the the, one, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, that was the one where it's like, that. that's not, that's not I, did, how I was works. like, there's no way that this man that's not framing these photos or doing any sort of lighting is putting these on the front page of the, what is it? The New York Post they, they say he writes for. Yeah. It's like the New York or the Journal New York or something. Journal. Journal. It's supposed to be the Post, but like also just the whole setup of him, like not being honest about why he's writing. Like that's a totally unethical thing. You can't do that can't do that it's your job yeah. over it yeah and while i didn't work at a paper then i work at a paper now and her saying the commitment section is what keeps this paper afloat like or whatever <laughs> she says like no biggest money makers <laughs> listen it could I mean, be the money maker but her, her saying that it like pays for the rest of the paper that no that's that's not how that works yeah they definitely wanted to create the same um mystique and appeal as the new york times vows you know because yeah. that's like oh oh boy but yeah no very and very weird time to even have a movie about a newspaper like at least how to lose a guy in 10 days which was made a few years earlier it was like magazine we still put a newspaper in 2008 the hell you say which Get is why her um evil sister is like look at you and your little cutouts of the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> that's what she sounds like <laughs> like the wicked witch of the west yes uh okay the witch bro is <laughs> the best the best video <laughs> before we get into what works we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we'll be back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Okay, we're back. And before we get into what worked, I went back and looked at some old run sheets and some of the old rom-com month stuff. And we really only had one difference in those episodes that we had talked about that I completely forgot about. After we did When Harry Met Sally, we started talking about with rom-coms, the met moment, the kind of the moment where the couple mm-hmm. realizes where one of them or both of them realize that like, hey, we're a thing. We like each other. What is that moment in this movie? The dress, the dresses. Trying on the dresses. Yeah. Wait, what are those? Nothing. Are those? No. Are they bridesmaid dresses? This is none of your business. Oh, good God. What do you kept them all? You have a whole closet full. Why? I have a lot of friends and I like to keep them. Right. Well, that makes complete sense because they're 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 beautiful. Some of them are not that bad. Not that bad? I'd like to see one of them that's not that bad. For her. I would say for him, it's night one. He likes her from the jump. Like he's, oh, well, sure. He's trying to charm from the jump. The dresses is when she realizes that he's actually like fun to be around. And then that, I mean, the obvious, obvious, obvious one is Benny and the Jets. Like when she realizes like... he's not the like completely cynical, I cried like a baby at the Kellerman wedding. The moment that he says, that he looks at the guy when the woman walks down the aisle, she's like, she was going to sleep with him that night. <laughs> like, Even though they both smelled dead. like rainwater. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And it's lovely. I would agree. I, I was going to kick that question to you guys. Cause I, I was trying to think about it beforehand. And I was like, I've only seen this once. I'm not really sure. So, well, her guard comes down. She's had to keep her guard up for a long time. And she has to take care of everyone and everything. And she doesn't ever get to have fun. And it's very clear from the start, like she loves being that person for people because she, it's like a love language, you know, acts of service. But the dresses are the physical manifestation of like her shame about it too, of like, here's proof that I have lost myself in doing for others. And the fact that like she can let her guard down and she's starting to trust him and have fun. I think that's, that's a really cute moment. I'm not projecting. Why do you ask? <laughs> the amount that I project on her, like or that, that's why I loved this movie. I don't know how many times in my life, this is like the saddest statement. So buckle up friends. The amount of like unrequited love crushes that I have had on people over the course of my life is almost all of them. Like I, I, I so even though, it's, I always do this. It's Edward Norton. No, no. I do this too. Edward Burns. I yeah. do Eddie, Eddie Burns. Not every time I mix them up. It's but like, it is uh, Edward Norton in this one. In this one, it's Norton. And Burns is in the Holiday, right? No. And say, Burns no, is in Burns. the Holiday and Saving Private Ryan. Edward Norton is like a presti- is a prestige actor who, like Catherine Heigl, is rumored to be very, very difficult, but hasn't had any problems <laughs> with his career. I'm sorry. Who is in this movie? Eddie Burns is Burns. in this movie. Burns. Who is also in The Holiday. Sorry. I screwed that. Also in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> okay. So okay. You know Edward Burns is a walking loaf of white bread. No personality. It, and the same in The Holiday. I think I said the same thing in The Holiday. This man is so bland. I don't understand. Uh, so, but even through all of that, her entire, like, just the, like, I just related to her so much. I wanted her entire wardrobe in 2008. 
like every single thing about Jane I just related to whether it was the like organizational aspect of it the doing things for other people always wanting to help out the event planning type thing like being the person that like thinks three steps ahead and is prepared and like you know thinking about that stuff and I had like my best friend at the time in flight school was Judy like she was the Judy Greer mirror and so we sat there and we're like oh my gosh this is us like this is and so that's what is so funny to me about this movie so I just like relate to it on not the 27 you know weddings type thing I'm actually in my first wedding this summer very excited about it um, is the dress you're wearing something that would would potentially get you canceled ten years later? Like a few of these, a few of these themed, themed weddings. It's very pretty. Uh, it's very like very simple, which I love. Not that's not like in a condescending way. That's not. There's no petticoat, so that's good. Uh, there's no like required accessories like umbrellas or snorkel masks, so also good. Or a horse. Um, or a horse. <laughs> yes. Sorry, we were going to talk about the dresses. Yeah, I, I I'm. I'm all ears on your opinions on the dresses because the dress montage is one of the most fun moments of this, of this movie. Yeah. But then we see like all the interesting weddings she was in. I've never seen weddings like most of them, the underwater photo shoot, the horses. I, I would believe that some of those things have happened before though. Yeah. I mean, I think they did a great job, especially with the tropes because it's always been very weird to me. I've been a bridesmaid five times, I think. It's in look, if you agree to be a bridesmaid, because you can say no, you want to be there for your friend. Clearly, you mean enough to them, hopefully, in most cases, that like, you know, you'll spend a few hundred on a dress. You'll spend what you have to. But I always thought it was so strange to ask someone, will you be in my wedding? Great. Now go pay for it. Go buy your like. And I understand like weddings are expensive. I'm not saying like it's wrong or anything. But the joke is always you have to pay your own money for this dress you will never wear again. And they do say stuff like, well, you can just shorten it and wear it as a party dress. You can shorten it. Wear it again. Oh, my God. So true. All of my dresses are hanging up in my childhood bedroom right now. There was one dress. She might be listening to the podcast, but this marriage ended and she's in a happier one. So hopefully she won't kill me for saying this. One dress was brown. It was a brown bridesmaid's dress with a pink sash. I was like, where am I going to wear this? Basketball. chocolate factory <laughs> basket robins i didn't say that on the wedding day but i mean they're just you know but it's about the bride it's about what she wants and yeah. you're happy to serve you're there to to help her through a day so if that means wearing an ugly dress then that's what you do the um the la one was so funny yeah. and I, again very much related to the photo shoot where she was squatting so that she didn't look like a giant next to everybody else and then so i had three friends in flight school that were each like five foot five one five can't relate yeah (laughs) i think one was 411 i swear to god i went to the movies with my the three of them i felt like i was the mom like like i felt like i needed to be like girls do you want anything any snacks like it was just so (laughs) and they were so it was just hilarious they were all uh two nfo two navigators and a pilot one of them was a, ended up being a helicopter pilot um but anyway like so that one also i related to on a personal level where she's like oh let me stretch my knees out <laughs> stand back oh my god well caroline i want to keep it with you with what worked about this one why mm-hmm. is this a hall of fame rom-com for you um i think what i really enjoy is the way is the actual like levels to the 
contention, the, you know, issue throughout the, what Alex just said the right word for it, the, the hang up, the problem, the, you know, the conflict. conflict. Yeah. I was like, what is this? I'm a writer, folks. Great at it. <laughs> uh, the conflict. It's late. Because, because like we've talked about the, what was it? You've got mail and, um, how to lose a guy in 10 days the well even what we just did the um 10 things i hate about you the deception is much more aggressive in some other rom-coms i think and like yes i understand that like he introduced himself as kevin and he's actually malcolm but there was no real reason that he needed to tell her his like writing name at the first wedding like he gave her his real name he was there working, but he does that to protect himself from like, you know, it's a, whatever it's a, why, why are words so hard right now? It's not a stage name, but you know what I mean? Pen name. Golly. Um, de plume. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I get like why he doesn't need to like say that right off the bat. And then he doesn't know when he gets the, like when he's oh. going to write about, satan's wedding that it's her her sister so it's not like she she sucks so bad i've just been waiting the worst she is terrible it's one of the things that works about this movie oh one One of the the movie villains of all time like she sucks um but i think that the actual conflict is much more like i thought natural and worked in because she would be annoyed by that but he didn't necessarily do anything particularly deceptive on purpose to her he just didn't tell her his his right his pen name like that's essentially what it comes down to um and then the other conflict is that her awful sister is so selfish and terrible that she just is oblivious to everything around her and she works for again when we talk about oblivious one of the most oblivious men alive um who just i swear to you the stuff i'm telling the like way that i relate to this movie when the guy's just like, that's what I love about you're just always there for me. And you're just like, shut up. Do you not understand that I'm like madly in love with you? You idiot. Stop saying these things. This is like putting my delusion back. Like, oh gosh, it just can't it relate. Drives me nuts. I mean, the thing about it is you're supposed to believe that because she's lying to him about who she is, that he's like head over heels for her. And he's a, he's a, didn't he, they say went to fucking Harvard and yeah. they like and he dropped out and, yeah because of but but because she's lying to him he's into her and it doesn't matter how many lies she makes up about herself she still would not be able to engage him on the kind of level that she is if he wasn't overlooking a bunch of other things just because she was really hot like that's 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 the name of the game she's able to get away with these lies because she is Malin Ackerman and she looks like a model and he is he is not entirely complicit. Like, yes, he was lied to. He was de- he was deceived, hoodwinked, bamboozled, but he is somewhat complicit in complicit in in. Uh, She's an idiot. In getting married to yes, yes, in getting married idiot. to Satan. He's but a mayonnaise sandwich. He is. Oh my god, he drives me nuts. And like, just to oh man, he is going to struggle so aggressively to replace her in that position. By the way. Like Oh, yeah, no chance. I have some thoughts on Tess I would like to share. Yes. Okay. I, it's not that I disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just saying 
I want to present a different perspective. Not that it'll change your mind. Caroline and I are both. Um, so when we talk about like sister dynamics, typically more often than not, you see more conversations about three or more sisters. You got your oldest and your middle and your youngest. Caroline and I are both in families where it's me and another sister, right? And we, yeah. you know, it, and I know your dynamic is different with yours and mine's different. It's not a stereotype. But here's what I'll say. Like my sister and I are nine years apart. So when she came along, I was like already mom's little helper. I was helping change. I was helping play. I was always the bigger sister. You know, I went to college when she was in like third grade. And so when you have that personality type of the people pleaser, of the I can be just like mom, I will take care of you. You never have to worry. You put yourself in that position and depending on the household dynamic and especially you have a dead parent involved here too they lost their mother and then as i found even though my sister and i are both grown you go into super mom mode of i am going to take care of everything and you just chill i think there could be potential for enabling them to say okay well they've got it they've got it they've got it because the younger sibling is never put in the position of having to be the one to handle it and the older People pleaser is just like, I have this, you know, I'm not saying that excuses her being an asshole because she's a total asshole during most of this and like cutting up the wedding dress. It's just, it's very clear. She's never had consequences for her actions. Like that, that's, that's a good point. Like watching the dad interact with her. I'm like, buddy, you, you missed a chance to deliver some lessons over the course of, of this young woman's life because he sees no fault in her. He's like, you guys need to figure it out. It's like, she just cut up your, your wife's wedding dress and she, she cut a small to use a small part of it. Uh, she's lying to this man. She, I mean, I was, it's an interesting dynamic. The, your sister is marrying the love of your life and they could have gone like, Oh, maybe they work out. She's not that bad. She's just not like in love with him. Like you are or something like that. But it's like, no, she's actually the devil. She's actually a, a legitimately bad person. She is a person who Awful. doesn't care about anyone but herself. The entire, like, the this, the part of the wedding dress scene that gets all the attention is the, like, like, oh, you wouldn't hurt a fly and you definitely wouldn't hurt me. I'm your sister. She's like, that was yesterday. Today, you're just the bitch that cut up my mom's wedding dress. Um, which every time I'm like, let's go! Like, right yeah. around through a wall. <laughs> But the entire sequence of that scene is it starts with her arriving. And the first thing that um, Tess is saying to her is like, I've decided that I will forgive you as Mm -hmm. if she did anything wrong in the entire like article coming out process and then crosses her off the list as a to do item. So not only showing no empathy or asking her sister how she's doing based on the fact that she just had all of these pictures of her in a vulnerable like moment thrown all over the front page of the huge paper in New York. So yeah, none of that, no sympathy, no empathy, any of that. And then she goes into the whole, like, Oh, the silhouette was old. She's already stolen the entire wedding that she didn't even really give a shit about. She didn't like cuts up the dress. And then when she's called on it and sees that her older sister who has cared for her, like her entire life is devastated at this, she then goes like, what would you know about relationships? Excuse me? Like, oh, all those successful relationships you've had? Listen, bitch. Now we're going to like mm-hmm. throw hands. 
and then makes like a size joke at her like at the end where she's like it wouldn't fit you anyway oh <gasps> i can't I, very the whole early thing, 2000s like. very early 2000s very but like I, oh look at jessica simpson Ooh. <laughs> like, i think it's made clear throughout all of this that when their mother died it was a combination of jane stepping up and saying kind of this is what i was made for i will be the organizer i will be the mom and the dad was so distraught and in grief yeah. and like and that's like the older sister trope there's this i follow a few different instagram accounts that are just oldest sister memes and it's like yeah i'm an oldest sister because something something i was dependent on to be the parent blah 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 i think it's very clear by that point in the movie that Tess sees Jane as another mom because it's like, why wouldn't you just sacrifice everything for me? Like, why should I even have to ask you if I can cut up things that mean something to you? Because don't you live for me and don't you serve me? Aren't I the point of you? Yeah, it's rough. There's the like kind of throwaway comment, but when um, uh, Kevin goes over to interview her the first time and she says all the stuff like, I taught her this, I taught her that, like I basically raised her. And then she goes, oh, please don't put that in. That would like absolutely destroy my dad. Like I don't yeah. mean, and it's, it's such a telling small, like short moment that is like so much about their relationship, but it's like, you can tell she never had to really commit to anything. She flits around with the boyfriends and, can get With guys euro trash <laughs> she's not one of, he's not one of your euro trash boyfriends he's a good person um what a 2008 thing to say by the way euro trash <laughs> oh yeah 100 <laughs> i want to bring that we need to bring that back uh <laughs> you guys are so good at analyzing characters and motivations and, and really diving into the personality and i'm just over here like oh fuck her she sucks <laughs> <laughs> she does suck <laughs> well, and, i just think like sisters are such a delicate balance and like caroline and i have talked a lot about our sisters and the relationships we have with them and our sisters are not Tessas, by the way. No, um, well, not at all. <laughs> all I mean by bringing up the two sister dynamic is you very rarely do you see like two sisters who are just like mostly similar. Yeah. Um, like usually they'll have interests or something that'll just make them vastly different. And I think that plays into it. But I also think like with parental loss too, there's always there's just personality types. When you are the first to come along, you're the one that has to set the bar. And then the second gets forgiven for all the shit that you didn't get forgiven for. I don't... I'm baby, so this is why it's extra funny to me. It's like Alex has had to deal with the older sister bullshit, and I'm like the baby that came along. My sister called me baby for like the first like two years of my life. She taught me how to read. Fun I mean, fact. So, yeah. Like I told Mary the other day, my younger sister's finishing up college. She's about to start grad school, and I was like, "Hey, listen to me." never touch your 401k. I don't care how broke you are. You call me, I will give you money. She's like, I don't even think I know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you got it. As long as you don't touch it, you're fine. As long as you don't touch it. Yeah, because you get penalties and, before you're 65, folks. <laughs> and that's what, And I was like, look, my only role as the older sister was to have made all the mistakes that you can learn from. And if you don't learn from them, what is the point of me? <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't started your 401k yet, folks, put money in because the money you put now, even if you put less in now than more later. The, anyway, my mom, our, my mom. Blah, was blah. And um, yeah, like man. Mike Golick Sr. says, change your air filter every month. Dude, that's one that I really, I really need Mike to text me when he changes his and I need to order. Anyway. Um, he needs to alert yeah. the group text. My, uh, May- my older sister, Megan, is the absolute best. And she's, yeah, she, I was four. She would bring home her paper, her like workbooks from kindergarten and erase all of it and then reteach me when she got home. 
And so I was like four and a half and I was reading because my mom was like, wait, did she just, <laughs> wait, what just happened? <laughs> and then she like quizzed me on words and Megan talking. Which me. is tough because then your parents weren't able to spell in front of you to talk about things that they didn't want to <laughs> yeah. hear. That's a, that's a, that's a huge asset when you have yeah. your kids. Well, now Megan's like, oh, don't never forget. You're only where you are because I taught you how to read. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, fair point. Um. Getting back on the train of what worked, this couple and their chemistry, yes. Heigl and Marsden, I was thinking about it in terms, um, because I'm a normal person, in terms of, you know, the carnival game where you take a big mallet and you hit it and it's like how high you, you yeah. get to the, the top thing. If you're thinking about rom-com couples having to get to like, like the, get to the peak of this is a hundred percent believable. We think they would make it. We think they would make it long-term. We don't really see like that many warts because there are certain things like if we talk about uh how to lose a guy in 10 days like we don't really see them be themselves except for this kind of one scene this couple if we're seeing them you know how many how many barriers they get through and how how much it seems like they are a couple and they have good chemistry heigl and marzen are i see very few like kinks in that rope like it seems like this would work they seem close to made for each other I buy Amazing. it. I yeah. buy it. They crackle. And it's the perfect amount of, again, she she gets on him for being cynical, right, early on. Mm -hmm. But she, I think, early, like, in the first scenes and stuff, she's not out there, like, moon-eyed trying to find a boyfriend. Like, she's yeah. almost as cynical, but just in a very, very different way. And so, but I also loved her no bullshit. Like where she, when she meets him and she's not just going to be like won over by him being charming and like walking her to the door with the flowers. Cause she, I love that. She's like, it was interesting to meet you. <laughs> like it wasn't great. Like she, and it wasn't said in like a flirty way. It was literally like interesting. Like, oh, how refreshing a man who doesn't believe in marriage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but he's right there with the quips. She's like, oh, so you admit it's like marriage is like a child believing in Santa. Um, and so they just have such great chemistry and like on-screen presence and again i think because the i guess like the story coming out is like the real betrayal but um she's great he just absolutely does it for me in this movie mm -hmm. even even with the outfits <laughs> can we can we talk about can we talk about what didn't work in this one <laughs> What Kyle texted, we did like a, I, I latch onto his life so, so that I'm like, oh, you guys are watching the movie? Like, let me watch it with you. <laughs> um, no, he, we were texting. So Jacqueline and Kyle and I had have a group text and we were texting last night watching it. And he's like, Marston is a 10 until you zoom out and you see the full outfit. It's like a three and a half. <laughs> the jeans and the shoes he's wearing. Jacqueline pointed this out that he's wearing like the New Balance dad sneakers where yes. the toe comes, the toe points up. Yes. <laughs> and the jeans are so ill-fitting. And, and like, it's like 2008. But yeah, I'm kidding. He, he, here's the thing, Alex, when did you, time. when did you live in New York? Um, 2011 to 2012. So not that, not that far away. This man was working. He was in journalism. It wasn't like he was a, I don't. I don't want to disparage. It wasn't like he was a construction worker. Like he should have had some it wasn't sense. Like he of... was a sports journalist. <laughs> like I mean, he was dressed like he was on like the baseball beat. No offense. 
like Caroline, I, I texted you this last night. This is the this is the new like you see someone and you're like that person looks like a cop. If you go to a wedding, the worst looking person, the worst dressed person at the wedding, it's like, oh, that's the wedding reporter. That guy right there. <laughs> yeah. So and you've reminded me of something too. So I think like any newspaper in general, you ha- you certainly have people who will dress like business casual, like what they would, you know, like a suit and stuff. It's a newspaper the culture in general, even though he's the weddings guy, so it's not the same thing, but the culture is like whatever you can run around, move around in. Like if you've got to rush to a story, you don't want to be in heels and a skirt and you don't want to be in like slacks and a jacket. You're not a broadcast journalist. So the casual level of the clothes did stand out as much as just they were just terrible clothes. But I know I've told this story a million times on this podcast before. I had to cover weddings for a little bit when I lived in Alabama. And you have not I, told this story on this I podcast because I, I swear I okay well if I haven't but I'm sure there I feel like I have and I'm willing to bet there's at least one like dedicated listener out there who will remember this story or maybe I've tweeted about it so when I started at al.com I know I've told this part of my al.com journey I didn't have a beat when I got there so I was kind of just trying to do really creative stuff to get noticed um which is just you know you're fighting everybody for stories and uh, my editor came to me and was like, we, we want to start covering weddings, but we want to be creative with it. We don't want to just do like commitments. We want to, and this is very forward thinking for a, a, like a Southern regional newspaper at the time. We want to highlight the vendors. We want to talk about who made the dress. We, we do want to get to the root of their story, but we also want to talk about the event and breaking down the event. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course I would love to do that. I did not want to do that at all. And one of the things that I struggled with was not knowing what to wear because typically on assignment, I was in jeans or like at the most, maybe like a blazer in jeans. Like I'm not going to wear jeans to a wedding, but I also don't want to look like a guest. Like I want to be able to kind of blend in. Um, And this one wedding and I had just moved to Alabama. You have to remember this. Um, I wore, (laughs) it was August maybe. August or September, I was very broke. I had a baby at the time. Like, I had no money. All the money was for diapers. I got this, like, discount clearance black and white dress that had a nice silhouette. Like, it it looked like a work dress. And it just had, like, a black and white pattern on it. Some might call it houndstooth. I don't know. This was the most Auburn wedding of all Auburn weddings. Oh no! The, the, the colors were orange and blue. The uh, like they had the Auburn band there playing the song, and I showed up to their wedding in yeah. houndstooth, and was the most hated person there. Now a few months later, I'm covering another wedding, totally unrelated. Um, it was a really cool wedding that happened at the Alabama Theater because the bride and groom, I, I believe, they were theater people. But it's been a while, so part of it was I would go talk to the caterers. So everybody's at the reception dancing, having a time while I go back to the to the kitchen. And they ask me, like, so do you cover weddings full time? I'm, I'm telling them the story I just told all of you. And uh, I told that story. And one of the catering staff goes, oh, my God, I heard about you. Someone <laughs> told like I had a reputation among wedding caterers in Alabama for being the girl who showed up to the Auburn wedding in a houndstooth dress. That's amazing. I can't believe I've never heard this story before because I, I absolutely I haven't. I swear I've told it here, I've but I guess I've never not. heard that. Oh yeah. my God, that's incredible. So it is um, tough to know what to wear. I can <laughs> that imagine. was my point. Well, for guys, here's the thing. I won't let guys off the hook that easy. For women, you're like, what do I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to wear like a gown if I'm at this formal sure. event, but I can't be in jeans 
and like whatever. And so he yeah. just, it was the commitment to the gray Schlub. undershirt that killed me. Like he was ready for any scenario because he had multiple layers at all times. He had three layers on top at all times. The undershirt was essential in those two things. Like the, the loose, the loose button down the undershirt, like either the white tee or the gray. Yeah. It was essential. He had the like green army jacket that he wore a lot over as like the third layer. Or sometimes he'd bust out the, like v-neck sweater over the other two layers um they didn't they did him no favors in the styling and again you're right it's 2008 like but if they tailored those jeans even slightly and put him in just like casual boots totally different look for my guy like anyway it's amazing yeah, that, what God-given good looks do to someone, though, because he was dressed like Steve Carell in the beginning of Crazy Stupid Love, and he's still like, wow, that's one of the most handsome people of all time right there. Yeah. What is the meme with, with them where it's like Carell and Ryan Gosling, and it's like the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, there's no that's the uh, the Oppenheimer one when he's dressed he's uh it's it's Oppenheimer and it's Einstein and then it's him as Ken and it's like the head coach defensive so coordinator offensive coordinator yeah um I have one thing that really didn't work about this one it is with it she lost her planner and did not notice and this is someone who obsessively uses her planner she'd be in full blown panic mode that morning well she was. She was in panic mode at the office. Like she got to her office and was like, how is it not here? I can see that if you're doing all of those things, you're moving around so much that she thinks one, I lost it somewhere in the shuffle back and forth between the two weddings Two, I left it at work and I'm just like forgetting that I like brought it with me. Like I can see, I can buy that. I can buy that. My question is how, I know it's not feasible at all. And I love that this is just like a little fun thing they do, but I don't know my New York geography enough to know how far apart the two weddings were. So like one's clearly by the, in Brooklyn, by the Brooklyn bridge, the Indian wedding was there. How, like realistically, that would be a nightmare of a night. <laughs> where was the other wedding? So I never paid attention to where it was. I don't know. That's the thing is like, I, I didn't have no clue. Oh, wedding. That's the thing too, is she is, I mean, I don't want to say she's not having a good time. Cause I think at this point in her life, she kind of thrived off, off getting the job done and being yes. there for these people. But what a horrible, terrible night of not getting to enjoy any of these weddings. Like she's in there, she comes back to the wedding, uh, from the Indian wedding and she's like dancing and stuff like that. But it's like, she's dancing because it's, it's time to dance, not like dancing yeah. because it's the joy of dancing. It's like, okay, I got to hit this, this point, this play in the playbook right now. And then I got to go do this. I got to help both of them while they pee. But like, I, I guess that's what she's thriving off. Mm-hmm. But in general, that night sounds terrible. It's huh. a wonderful, if we're segueing into best scene though, that's a wonderful introduction to this movie. Like this movie gets oh, right so into smart. it. It's a really wonderful opening scene. It's so smart. And again, I relate to her because she's clearly the person that thrives off of when everything, if you've ever done event planning or like doing event planning, when everything goes perfectly, no one should know you were ever there. And it is the best feeling in the entire world to me. I thrive off of it. I used to, when I worked at the Pentagon for DIA, I worked with the foreign liaisons in the foreign liaison office. 
Were, were you part of the group that made uh, Taylor Swift a secret operative to yes. push the Joe I mean, no, election? definitely not. No, definitely not. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm furious that I was there for three years and we did not overlap once at the at the um, Popeyes and the food court at the Pentagon. Incredible. Um, but like doing stuff like getting people parking passes and like show what time they should show up and meeting them at the door and walking them flawlessly to the first thing when you spent weeks setting everything up and getting it perfect. Oh, there's, it's like such a high, (laughs) I'm such a dork, but like, it is the best feeling in the world. So I was like, yes, I get this, this right off the, right off the bat. I was like, we're going to, I'm going to get this person. Um, yeah, it's an excellent opening scene. I I mean, I don't want to jump the gun, but the Benny and the Jet scene is the best scene in the movie. Great song. I love this song. Hey, kids, shake and lose a limb on Molotons. I want to sing, gonna make a feather. Those exactly the words. Sorry, lyric police, what are the words? You're gonna hairy hands and music so the walrus sounds. <laughs> walrus sounds? So take pennies and longer in a cement jet. I was going to say, is there an argument for any other scene, but that scene? I love, I actually think that the end scene is great. Not the, the, not their wedding, but like her the boat. Yes. The boat is fantastic. Him saying like, come over here. here. Jesus Christ. The bride is, the bride is great. She's fantastic. Oh yeah. It is just the, it is like a like animal reaction when he says that. Just I'm like, ugh, every time. It what the girlies would call feral. Yes, like yes, it's it's we literally didn't call again, it that in 2008. No, it's and this wasn't a reference then because it hadn't come out yet. But again, it's not to mention Fleabag twice in the same episode. It's it's Neil. Like it's like so it gets the like you're like ugh. It appeals to the most primal of your urges. And you're like, this is a sweet ass movie, but also I am a warm blooded woman. (laughs) It's the reverse reverse Musburger. But can we talk about the Benny and the Jets scene though? Like give it a floor is floor is yours. Um, It is. I'm so glad you shared all that info, Alex, because it is, hands down the perfect song to do this with and it's partly because it has the lead up it has the piano like and it it takes you i just think every single thing about that scene is so organic like in a sense that like you could see yourself stuck somewhere you're at a dive bar everything's going to shit and you're like let's just like we're just having a drink just one drink and it turns into shots and you're like getting to know each other, even though you've had like these contentious moments, like all this stuff. How many times have you been in a bar talking to someone, blah, blah, blah. You hear a song start and you're like, yes, great song. And it just takes over the conversation. Like it is a thing that happens. I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it actually, my friend, again, Andrea, my friend that was also obsessed with this movie. We then made it our mission to like, memorize every word of Benny and the Jets because we realized we the had real no- words or the words they say the real words when he says boobs she's yeah. got electric boobs boobs it's just the funniest most like charming cute and then it adds in 
when he helps her off the bar again it's the like feral thing where it's just like it goes from this playful flirty to just now you're like oh he's so like strong and helpful like it's <laughs> the dumbest it reverts you back to like the most like animal instincts it's the flexing of the hand from pride and prejudice like I, oh my god i don't even know like the demographics of our listeners i know like from <laughs> there's probably like so many of our like the normal guys listening there like what is this crazy woman talking about hey it's rom-com month though it's a rom-com month it's just a perfect scene it's perfect i love it so much it's real good <sighs> yes i agree with everything <laughs> carolyn just said i think it's wonderful and i think like I just, I don't know. I mean, I think it's well established based on everything about me that I love a good bar. And there's just <laughs> this, nothing... this we know. <laughs> I almost, you almost had a spit take on video for this. <laughs> so relate. I'm sorry. I have so many asides, but I was just talking about this. Like a funny thing about how I met the guy I'm dating is Seven years ago, someone asked him on Twitter. I did not know who he was at all. Someone asked him, what was the worst first date you ever had? He said, a gal from Mississippi went shot for shot with me. And for some reason, I agreed. And like three people instantly replied, you dated Alex McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> so my reputation for... Yes. And that and, and then he followed me. <laughs> he followed me and I followed him and six years later. A simple six years later. Going shot for shot simple, every night. Ve- very quick, no drama six years no later. Drama, very, um, straightforward, very smooth. Years. But like my my reputation precedes me, but like I just love it. And they're drinking scotch. You don't need to be like shooting scotch. It was just it's a nice little messy life moment and i think that song and the scene just captures it really well so i agree it is the best scene i do want to give a shout out to the picture slideshow which i know that judy greer tells her after the fact uh the quote if it was the right thing to do you'd feel better right now but i also during while watching the scene wrote fuck yes jane drag her so uh (laughs) that's just kind of how i was how i was feeling at the time but um it's benny and the jets though well, and I actually think probably second is the dress montage. I yes, yeah. also also very good. Um, uh, what's the best <laughs> quote in this movie? This is not the best quote, but it makes me laugh every time, and I've said it a billion times since I saw it. But when she, when um, Kevin shows up, she realizes that the flowers are from him, not white bread loaf man boss. Um, and he's now talking to her sister and she knows that this is already trouble and she goes outside and screams and like, (laughs) again, that's like, it's one of the concessions you have to make. Like, are you telling me she didn't notice that there's a whole party to her left? And are you telling me that this 50 year anniversary is having their party next to this club? That's like, "Mm, mm, mm," like the whole time, like, no, but I don't care because it's perfect. But when she stops and goes like 50, wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we laugh every single time her delivery it. is so much of what makes her so good 50 wow <laughs> she's so like dorky and fun yeah i love and i know there was a lot of improv between the two of them i don't know obviously like which lines were which but the ones 
the one that's always stuck with me and that I, I feel like I use it all the time is when he says to her, what about you? You don't have any needs? No, I'm Jesus. No, I'm Jesus. <laughs> that's such a 2008 ass joke, by the way. Oh, good. It's so good. I also really love his, like, I love his confidence where he's like one she's he writes writing his name in the date book for every saturday night would i'm telling i that would honestly no jury would convict me of the crime i would commit if someone defaced my planner like that because i am like if i have to cross something out i'm like well i gotta get a new one like i am so anal retentive about like how i have my count like i have color coded like this whole thing but um when he says how about a, a new a new date book or just a date like yes 10 out of 10 no notes mm-hmm. um but judy greer has about a thousand outstanding oh, one-liners yeah. including like when you first meet her and she's like what the bitch set up it's up <laughs> about <laughs> her so hair good. um everything she says in the yoga session where she's like that whore like whatever she asked her to be <laughs> at the wedding um but I also really like the when the boss is like, well, is there any chance she thinks the gift is from me? She's like, well, I wrapped it like a truck ran it over. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's so good. On the Judy Greer subject, is this the easiest Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character? In the history of the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award, in my opinion. Yeah. She's I don't think there's any competition. This isn't a movie with a ton of characters. No, in general, not. it's very it, it's it's kept very close to the vest, and most everyone you've got our leads, and then a couple a couple supporting ones. But yeah, it's Judy Greer pretty easily, or Pedro. It's Judy Greer, mm-hmm. like by a landslide. Yeah. She's maybe a, there's a nice Kristen Ritter appearance in this movie too. There is a Kristen Ritter there. appearance in this movie. This is right. Is this when Breaking Bad started? Maybe before Breaking Bad. It was around that time, I think. Around that, I didn't, around I didn't that watch time. Breaking Bad until I started it three weeks before my child was born, and I finished it like two days before. It's, I, it's funny that that means you and I were watching Breaking Bad right around the same time. Were you like, because <laughs> we were trying to get to the finale? Was our that's did, when the finale was? It did was right a full before. season? Did a full yeah. season in the hospital? Yeah. Our kids are. I uh, have still never seen it. I've never seen a single episode. Um, my dad always tells me I need to watch it. You would you would enjoy it. I didn't um, too stressful. If she won't watch the bear, she's not watching Breaking Bad. Well, here's the good, thing. I watch. Point. That's the thing. I watch stressful stuff all the time. I listen to the Dateline podcast. Like, you literally fly planes, Caroline, and you're like too much. Too, the anxiety gets the me. bear. The bear being too much is still kind of driving me crazy. You gotta I don't watch understand. Jury. You, you have no argument for not watching Jury Duty, like tonight depending on when we end this i told you i've been trying to catch up in the 90 day fiance cinematic universe um and once you get kind of stuck in a season you can't get out because these people make horrible decisions and it's fascinating but i don't get you're a woman sorry here's another aside like 14 degrees you are equipped you are fucking aviator who's equipped to defend our country against enemies. You, or an end domestic. <laughs> you foster 50 dogs at a time. You walk 30 a day and you're like, oh, they're worried about beef sandwiches. <laughs> what if they don't get the sandwiches much? 
<laughs> I'm just messing with Caroline. For anybody listening who doesn't know, like this is me just telling her she's a badass. I'm not actually. <laughs> it's just very cute. You're like, I don't know. It's a little too strong. <laughs> just at some point, you're going to have to get through it because you're going to have to have to watch the Forks episode of season two. Like it just has, it just has to happen. Has to happen. Um, let's take one more quick ad break and then we'll be back. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, we're back. Uh, the defend the villain category, I think... Oh. So here's the thing. Alex, you, Alex Carney... Uh. Alex already dove into the psyche of Tess. I wasn't like uh, defending her. I just wanted to say like, let's really crack this open and look at what we're dealing with here. I don't think she's malicious. That's the basis of the defense though, because you're yeah. right. She has been, whether intentionally or not, enabled her entire life. And she, I do believe like, what's the whole conversation they have at the like, uh, hardware store, his store, where by the way, she tries to spray like bug spray in her sister's face. I'm pretty sure that would have been very bad. Yeah. <laughs> very bad. But um, where she's talking about like I, I'm such a sap for like one of those moments too where it's like, I always just wanted to be you. You know, like one of those. <laughs> it's like, you always have things together and you're also um, but she is. That's also a cop out. Like that's her just trying to again, just trying to get away with things. I will she offer no. I will offer no defense. The defense rests in this situation. Uh, <laughs> she, every time they they really, I think you could have almost forgiven so much of it outside of like the Pedro stuff when she meets Pedro and is like, "Hola, Pedro." <laughs> exactly. And is like having him anytime that you have to be like, this is our secret. Don't tell like, that's not good. That's not, <laughs> so not what she wants. That's really where it crosses over into like, girl, I tried, but all the other stuff I could be like, Oh, I, I'm so desperate to find love. Like, you know, I'm going to change myself or tell a few white lies, like whatever. But no, the rest of that, that that's just pure evil. <laughs> Bad person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Peter Gallagher award for the hottest person in this movie. Was anyone in this movie hot? Easiest pick in the entire world. This I I texted Godless. I was like, and Jacqueline last night. I was like, this is the like pinch hitter, Peter Gallagher. Like, sorry, this is it's it, it's James Marsden. Like, yeah. like, he is so good looking. When they thank God for that follow spot, they just illuminate his eyes, and it like I don't I don't know if they put highlighter like on his on his chin on his on his cheekbones, but good lord, he does that thing too where he like clenches his jaw can't all right i'm done sorry is this 
is this what you guys think of when you think of James Marsden? Like, is this, yeah. is this it for you guys? For uh, me. Yeah, I, I would say this is the main one. The Notebook is a close second, just because I think that was the first time I was super aware of his existence. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm into that. Um, He's really great. And what is it called? Enchanted? What is the one with yes. like, yeah. Yeah, he's very good in Enchanted. And, but like, if y'all haven't, which I know y'all, but Jury Duty? He's incredible. I watched it after the Emmys. And after that, I was like, man, I really wish he would have won the Emmy because he is phenomenal. And he's a perfect pick for something like that. This is, yes. I think what's happened is Jury Duty has fallen into the category for me where I look so forward to things or like get really excited about what. And I know that when I watch it, it'll be done. And so, like, in the back of my head, I like have this James Marsden like fun show to watch so like when i watch it i'll be sad that it's over the thing i'll tell you is there's so much post jury duty content all the making of pieces and interviews with the cast and there's all there's so much to consume that that does soften the blow so that is that's again where i think that he's perfect for that a show like that because he's it's the mix and what makes someone a good rom-com star it's the charming good looking but not so much that you're like you'd believe that he kind of just looks like a movie star. You know what I mean? Like if you're sitting next to him, like you're not going to then think that you're in some show being tricked, like whatever. And because we're legally required to talk about Glenn Powell on each episode there for anyone, but you, there are people talking about exactly what you said before, where it's like, Oh, no one will believe it if they're too hot type thing. But it's also the like charming, what was it for the Emmys thing where what was the guy for Justin, what's his name that they posted the picture and they're like, Glenn Powell arrives on the red carpet for the. Oh, yeah. Um, like the guy the other... from this is the, the guy who this looks like yeah. Hartley, <laughs> yeah. Justin Hartley. And that's kind of like the same thing where you're like, it's a really nice looking guy that they look kind of, that's kind of the same charisma. James Mars. I don't know if that makes any sense, but we got our Glenn Powell mentioned in, so we're good. We did play the music. Uh, best time, worst time. Worst time has got to be Tess, right? Like in the end or over the course of the movie? I mean, I think she's having the best time most of the time. Most really until the end when she has to try to redeem herself. But yeah, I think she's kind of living it. She seems like she's living her best life all the time she's perpetually taken care of yes that's that's true that's a very good point i think best time might be judy greer yeah 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 firing all cylinders has a two-day one-night stand after the first (laughs) wedding (laughs) shows up in the same clothes from two nights prior oh a legend um yeah she's just the best like comedic relief support system she she goes to all these weddings. She's in so many of these weddings too, by the way. She's in, or like, well, anyway, mm-hmm. um, is the perfect, like, she's a great friend. The scene, her facial expressions, like, that's what I'm saying. She maximizes every second that she is on screen without the eye rolls, the head, just the head motions. The scene where she's in the rocker wedding and like they kiss and do like the I love you thing the first time. The face that Judy Greer makes when she like sees Catherine Heigl being upset about it and then like looks over and is like, Ugh, it's the best. I think she has the best time. I think Ed Burns has the worst time. 
he probably poor. puts down probably puts down quite a few deposits he can't get back for a wedding that does not Fair happen point. uh finds duped, out yeah. gets duped uh loses his very valuable assistant after kissing uh, her the day after he was engaged to her sister yes cool. yes and being told that the kiss was crap hilarious yeah yeah <laughs> i love that we too. also i just need i need to say it before the pot ends when they're at Pedro's baseball game and he and Tess go down onto the field pregame to shag some flies, not how this works. That's that's not how this works. You cannot go down on the game on the field before the game. That what again? Ask one. I'm I once again standing in front of movies, asking them to ask one person how sports works. There, um, Kyle's volunteering to be your little league consultant for any and all pictures. My dream job is just being a sports consultant on sports movies and just saying, that's not how this works. Nope, that's not how this works. Nope, that that line, you got to change it. It's not how this works. Um, yes. Okay, the Keith Morrison Dateline episode from this movie. Oh, that's me. Okay. <laughs> no, Alex, do you want to riff? No. <laughs> not my area. <laughs> This one's hard because, like, I don't want to put a crime into this movie. <laughs> um, but this is clearly going to be about Tess. <clears throat> um, she had come back to town and everyone thought she was just visiting for a while. But was she trying to escape a dark past? Were there debts that she couldn't pay in her But What was she going to do? Who was she really? Did anyone truly know Tess? The story she told got her a man, a wedding, but would it last? Was she really a vegan? Did she have a dog? <laughs> would something worse happen to her because she's a horrible person? Tonight on Dateline. <laughs> I'm sorry that I wrecked these with my crazy witch laughter, but it's like the listeners really do miss out because watching your face when you say this stuff kills me. I'm it's sorry. the best. This it's the second it, time I've just absolutely stomped all over your shit by laughing, it, but it's the best. Just... I have to do the face or I can't do the seriousness of the voice. <laughs> no, it's just it's incredible. Uh roster moves. Who would we replace with Airbud? <laughs> George is Yeah. Basically it like when people say that someone's like a golden retriever boyfriend or whatever. This is like the, this would be the version where it's said in a negative way. Yeah, you know, like two, a, a, a super dumb golden retriever. It would be, would be funny for Airbud to be running this company. Airbud <laughs> dropped out of college. Airbud would be such an improvement over this boring man. Like I can't explain to you how boring this man is. Like, oh. We need to point out that there is a dog in this movie named Gatsby. I was going to say there's a dog as well. Yeah, yes, of course his name the is on, The only book George has ever read, The Great Gatsby, <laughs> his sophomore year of high school. <laughs> what if Judy Greer was there, bud? Just I mean, that's, shit the whole movie. <laughs> that's, that's a good... That, that's the thing. There's not really many... What if... No, got it. What if uh, Airbud is the cab driver from the first scene? Who's <laughs> yes. taking her taking her back and forth? Diggy? <laughs> and she tells him not to look in the rearview mirror, and everybody's just like <laughs> looking up in the rear. Perfect. Um, the big chill. Rom coms can have chill moments. Would you say Benny the Jets? Benny and the Jets is a chill moment. 
I almost think it's the boat scene. The, once the the light comes on. Once he once he's get over here, uh, or bending the jets, both work for me. I would not correct someone for saying either of those two. Um, I would agree. It would be lifting her off the bar in the Benny and the Jets scene, I think. Because mm-hmm. the Kellerman's, the crying of the Kellerman's wedding thing is like really cheesy, but because everything up into that moment works so perfectly, you're like, love it. No notes. Um, but that's not the big chill moment. You're not like, oh my God. And then he said he cried. Like, that's not the thing that gets you. It's the the whole before he gives her her, her moment on the bar and then like helps her down. It's lovely. Him being the strong man. Mm. strong man on the bar (laughs) uh last category before more store prequel sequel or remake i want to ask this with each of these rom-coms it's when this came out 16 years ago is this couple Uh, still together yes yes yeah this one's an easy yes like yeah absolutely yeah Uh, what what does the sequel look like what is tess doing Still making those stupid hand. I guarantee those handbags are hideous. You know, it's always been like a little quirk about this movie that I don't like, and I don't mean to just hate on Malin Ackerman, but she's she's from Australia, right? She's Australian. Is she? That sounds right. Um, someone check that really quickly before I say what I'm going to say, or else I'm just being Swedish. Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. What is Swedish, it? Swedish she... American. She's a Swedish and American actress. She was born in Stockholm. Okay. Why did I think she was? Well, the way she says handbags drives me nuts. Handbags. That's how she says it. Handbags. I make these deeply beautiful handbags. handbags. I know. These deeply fabulous handbags. <laughs> like, what? And look, I'm not clowning on the way people talk. I'm just saying, like, clearly she's trying to do some accent work and trying to sound, but she can't. Her parents' names are Pia and Magnus, and that's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. She has a very important role in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Uh, <laughs> and she's in Paul Rudd's funniest role ever in uh, Wanderlust. Is that what it's called? Wanderlust? Whatever. How about that? Whatever. Well, that's the uh, that's the Ackerman minute to end this pod. <laughs> it's Boys uh, and Dresses is an underrated rom-com it does not get its due i'm still mad that it has 40 percent on rotten tomatoes it's still funny it holds up there aren't really i don't think there's a single joke that like is you know not good now you can't say that now um i love it it's still i watched it two nights ago with you and i watched it again or last night with you and tonight again before recording and i'll probably now that i know that's on hulu it's probably gonna like bump up in the rotation a lot more frequently because it's just a ton of fun this one is good i'm glad i watched it i think this was a worthy addition to 2024 rom-com month uh guys you are the best where caroline where can the folks follow you uh you can find me on twitter at cw darney or instagram same place uh you can find all of the pop culture content uh at for the win and you can find us on for the water cooler um each week wednesday new episodes drop where we talk about um pop culture with some of some fun guests so if you want uh masters of the air updates check us out because every week i think we're going to do a masters of the air minute by minute i mean like 10 but that's fine i i'm really loving masters of the air uh alex where can the folks follow you 
Um, you can just follow me, following Caroline. Just follow Caroline around. Just follow Caroline around. <laughs> you follow Caroline around, and Alex will pop Where up Caroline eventually. Is, I am too. <laughs> Actually, that will be the case this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Oh yay! If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcast or Spotify. If you want to support the show. Uh, pick movies for us to cover and participate in our live watches. You can join the Big Screen Sports Patreon group at patreon.com slash bigscreensports. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom of the Farm, which comes at you every other Tuesday. And we will be back with another rom-com next week. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.